Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls to check out all of our bonus content. And this week we are covering Moneyball. Aren't you going to tell them about the bonus content? No, we save that for the end. That way they listen to this whole episode. Okay. (laughs) You got to bait them. All right. All right. Um, And I have titled this one, Yay Sports. (laughs) But really, though. <laughs> but really, though. And I do love sports. Don't get me wrong. But uh, this one was a little bit, little challenging. Yeah. So the book was originally published in 2003, and it's written by Michael Lewis. It is a nonfiction, and it's actually titled Moneyball, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game. It has a Goodreads rating of 4.23 out of 5 on Goodreads. Wait. Which is not what you gave it. No, I gave it a 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's 301 pages. But a very long 301 pages. Yeah, there's a lot of stats, lots yes. of numbers. It's not and I a don't quick do read. well with numbers. I don't math very well. No. So, <laughs> uh, I did find some of the stats interesting. We'll get more into that, but it's it was a tough yeah. read. Uh, the movie came out in 2011. It's rated PG 13. It's a drama biography sport movie, which I think is our first sport sport movie. Yeah, I think. Uh, and it's two hours and 13 minutes long, directed um, by Bennett Miller, who's done Foxcatcher and Capote. Oh, okay. um, so he's very much into like the biography history mm-hmm. type movies. So I guess this was right up his alley. Interesting. So the IMDb synopsis reads, Oakland A's general manager, Billy Bean's successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing computer generated analysis to acquire new players. I feel like that doesn't, that sentence doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, it basically, that's how I live my life. I just need, I really need like someone to just come in and budget my life <laughs> to make it a world series life. This, this book and movie was the epitome of balling on a budget. Absolutely. Like, what can I do for as little <laughs> amount of money as humanly right, possible? Right, on the highest level possible. <laughs> right. So some interesting facts. Um, so in the wake of the book being published, um, there are a bunch of there were a bunch of other players in the MLB who actually decided to um, employ the, I guess, money ball theory. Um, those included the Mets, the Yankees, Padres, Cardinals, Red Sox, Nationals, Diamondbacks, and the Indians, um, which basically they all hired full-time sabermetric analysts, which sabermetrics is that whole idea of using the in-game stats mm-hmm. to kind of identify who to, to pick up and things like that. So um, in 2019 and 2020, the Tampa Bay Rays were considered masters of Moneyball, um, and they reached the 2020 World Series um, with a pay Payroll prorated at only twenty eight point two million. Which, mm-hmm. if you're a baseball fan, you know that's not a lot of money when no. it comes to um, you know paying for. I remember athletes. when like all of a sudden they got really good. Yeah. So I guess Moneyball worked for them. (laughs) Um, The author, Lewis, has acknowledged that the book's success may have hurt the A's um, fortunes as other teams started to accept this this method. And obviously they got better. Yeah, you can't ignore that it worked. Right, exactly. (laughs) Since the book was published, um, Lewis has actually discussed plans for a sequel to Moneyball. Um, He is calling it Underdogs. And it's the idea of revisiting the players and their relative success several years into their careers and things like that. But there's... 
hasn't been like any set date or anything like that for yeah. that to be released. I think that would be interesting because that was one of the things when I was reading it. I'm like, I wonder how like far these guys got yeah. in the major leagues, yeah. you know? So um, the Moneyball approach has actually also been used in NBA and professional soccer as well. So it's kind huh. of spanned all different types of sports. Um and lastly, I thought this was so funny. The book is actually parodied in a 2010 Simpsons episode called Money Bart, um, in which Lisa <laughs> manages Bart's Little League baseball team using sabermetric principles. That's funny. Yeah. Which I don't watch The Simpsons, but I'm sure it no. was a funny episode. The and... Simpsons is one of those, like, too smart for their own good shows. Right. You know, that They've, just like, predicted stuff. a bunch of stuff, it's like, crazy. before that even happens, mm-hmm. which is nuts. <laughs> so the movie is actually very, very, very well liked. I've watched I, this movie many a times, and every really? time I watch it i'm like oh, this is so smart like i just <laughs> wish i was this smart um it has a 94 percent on wow. Tomatoes, which is one of the higher highest ones, ones we've, we've had yeah. uh, the budget for the movie was 50 million and it grossed over 110 million dollars wow. worldwide so yeah. it did a good job i mean you got brad pitt you got some people who are gonna pull you in yeah. but i mean i don't know i think it was just it's just a very different movie than you know than mm-hmm. like people have seen so true you know it's, it's different not a typical, from the Typical sports Exactly. Movie. That's what I was just going to say. Um, so actually, production began... So it came out in 2011. Production actually was set to begin in June of, of 09. Um, but Columbia Pictures actually ended up axing the movie um, after objecting to the changes of a different director who had it originally. Mm. Um, and they just totally, like, they said, no, thank you wow. to it. So they didn't like the script that was written. So they ended up hiring a new director um, who was able to take it right. to where they wanted it well, to be. Well, because, and we'll get into this, you kind of have to build a story around mm-hmm. this yeah. book. Um, it's not really fully there, so I could see, you know, if they didn't like the vision of that director, yeah. I could see them not wanting to. And the original director actually intended to have the actual baseball players portray themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they ended up dropping the film and it was later rewritten, Bennett Miller decided to hire actors for it. It's probably cheaper, True. to be honest. Um, Do you, I I think I saw one or two were actual players. I might have been wrong. I thought I saw David Justice's name on the list of. No, he was. Uh, he's actually in one of my cat. Uh-huh. The guy who plays him is in my cast list coming up. Um, but some of the scouts that are portrayed in the are movie are, are the actual okay. scouts from the story. That's cool. Um, but no, none, none of the baseball players. But they oh. did a really good job of making them look, look like that it. Way. Yeah. So. Um, this is actually the very first baseball movie um, to ever be nominated for the Best Picture um, in the Academy Awards since Feel the Dreams in 1989. So it's been a long time when mm-hmm. you think that there's been quite a few baseball movies. True. Um, but yeah, it didn't win that year, but just to be nominated is always, you know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider this um, Best Picture level. <laughs> In your mind. In my mind. <laughs> um, since there, this was a very low-budget movie, $50 million is not a lot, um, they didn't have enough money to shoot at all the different stadiums mm-hmm. that the A's visited that year. So they actually dressed up Dodger Stadium as eight different ballparks. Oh, wow. Which is crazy to think. I mean, I don't know ballparks very well i don't feel like i would have been able to yeah. t- to recognize but people that really like the ballparks I'm sure yeah would. so well, like the he didn't actually go to the red sox that ballpark? was the only one okay. that he that actually one looks went to too right you, to yeah i don't be. think you cannot not make <laughs> yeah. that one there um one of the things i really liked about this movie though is the way that they intertwine the actual footage of the mm-hmm. games and the acting of, of the games which i thought was yeah. really cool so you've seen the sandlot right no you have not seen no. the Sandlot. Um, you know the you know the phrase 
you're killing me, Smalls. Yes. Okay. So Smalls is one of the characters in the Sandlot. Okay. So Arliss Howard actually plays the um the grown up version of Smalls in the Sandlot. There's oh. like a there's like a flashback or whatever. Okay. And he is the one that is that portrays the Boston Red Sox owner at the end of the movie. Okay. And he actually gives a nod um in when he's talking to Brad, Brad Pitt because he talks about the great Bambino, which is uh. a big part of the Sandlot. So it's just kind I of. I would never. I that. know, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, one thing that I do love about movies, we haven't talked about these a lot, are the goofs in mm-hmm. movies. That there's always little mistakes here yep. and there. So a couple. So this film was supposed to be pro- portrayed in 2002. Obviously, it was filmed later than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a scene where there is um, Scott Hatterberg has his feet up on the on the um, table and you can clearly see the Nike Plus logo. Well, Nike Plus wasn't actually introduced until 2006. Um, and likewise that, there is a montage of some stuff throughout the movie and there's Mountain Dews mm-hmm. throughout the movie and the new logo for Mountain Dew is in there Ooh. that wasn't released until 2008. Someone did not do their research. <laughs> no. So it's like the Starbucks cup in, in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yes, that's funny. So the cast of the movie, obviously we know some of these guys right yes. off the bat. Billy Bean, who is the general manager's manager of the A's, is played by Brad Pitt. He's actually also the producer of this film. Oh, okay. Which Brad Pitt has now, I think, almost produced more movies than he has starred in movies, which is crazy At this to point, think. probably, yeah. Yeah, he actually... Um, Let's see. We know him, obviously, from everything, but he has an Oscar for a supporting role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, and he has an Oscar for Best Picture of 12 Years a Slave. Um, He actually... So funny enough, though, speaking of the Oscars, he starred and produced in two movies that were nominated for best picture this that year that year that year because they like i said moneyball was nominated for best picture and he was in the movie um the tree of life that was oh, also nominated that i don't even year. remember that movie yeah so i really liked him in this yeah i mean i think he's he was supposed to play the charismatic kind of charming baseball player who then turned businessman um but i really liked him i don't know if you're going to talk about him but i didn't necessarily love the actor they picked to be play younger him i didn't feel like no they matched i didn't i'm not going to talk about yeah, him i didn't no, feel like they all. matched really but no. but brad did a great job and right. i mean he you know he is who he is for a reason yeah um but yeah that was probably the one disconnect that i just didn't yeah. get <laughs> uh so peter brand who ends up becoming the assistant general manager of the oakland a's um, is played by Jonah Hill. His name is not actually Peter Brand. Um, <laughs> I got so confused. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know. Same here. Um, obviously, we know Jonah Hill um, from many different things. He was actually nominated um, for supporting role in Wolf of Wall Street and in Moneyball that year. He didn't. He didn't movies. win, but he was. Yeah. He was nominated for it. This is. Um, chubbier Jonah Hill. <laughs> this is before he lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. Um, but like I said earlier, so. Peter Brand is not the name of the assistant general manager. His actual name is Paul DePondesta. We're going to go with it. Yep. Um, (laughs) He actually wished to not have his real name used in the movie, which I'm like, it's part of the story. Like, I don't yeah. understand like, why you know wouldn't... who you are. <laughs> right. Um, but he was very generous, I guess, in helping out with the movie and helping out with the storyline. Um, and the filmmaker said that they had no obligation to change the character's name, um, but they were willing to do so because mm. he didn't want that. I, I thought, I think I saw that he owns or like is 
is works in the NFL now. Um, I, I know. Don't I wish quote I would on that, but I'm I pretty wish sure. I would have had more time to like research where a lot of these guys yeah. are now. Um, but I just didn't. <laughs> I felt like we would get too far into the weeds if I did it with yeah. all of them. He's an American football executive and former baseball executive. He's the de facto president of the Cleveland Browns. Huh. Chief strategy officer also. So yeah, yeah I guess he moved into. Um, yeah football i love jonah hill in this in this role like i thought he was so like awkward like jonah hill is yeah but he used his awkwardness not in like a funny way but in just that like timid funny way (laughs) i love that he he can play funny but he's really good at serious too like he to me has like that range of being able Mm -hmm. to do kind of any kind of character i was kind of waiting because i knew he was in this movie and i'm like okay like when is when is he coming (laughs) because he gets introduced paul gets introduced right at the beginning of the book so and he's just kind of always there so um but yeah 10 out of 10 for me with jonah hill so art howe who is the manager of the oakland a's during this time is played by philip seymour hoffman who i love Mm -hmm. um he's in the hunger games um he actually had he won an oscar for best actor in a leading role for capote who the director yes from there so there's your connection with that and he has three other oscars like is that was this a groundbreaking role for him <laughs> no no but um i did read somewhere that art howe um the real art howe mm-hmm. was very upset about how he was portrayed in this really movie. so i mean he gets I mean, he gets, like, zero credit in the way, like, he he comes out basically as a bad guy in this movie. Not a bad guy, but, like, a guy who's, like... Yes and no, because, like, at some point, I think the the game announcers that, like, credit him for, like, the whole plan or whatever, which I'm, like... How can he be a bad guy? I guess, it's yeah. not a bad guy, but he was very much like the guy who was resisting the change sure, and everything. Yeah. That's um, true. I didn't fully get that vibe in the book yeah. as much. Um, totally off topic, but one of my favorite um, movies that he has played in is um, Along Came Polly, mm. where he, I think he plays Ben Stiller's like best friend or somebody. Yeah. Oh, my God. So funny. There's like <laughs> the scene where he says like he sharted. I yeah. think it's sharted. <laughs> It's just That's it's, it's funny. Wild, but anyway, he did pass away. Um, I don't even remember how long it's been now. Yeah. It's been quite a few years now. But yeah, I liked him in the role. I just didn't necessarily yeah. like the character that much. Yeah. Um, well, and I always think it's kind of hard. Like the casting directors who who cast for like biography type movies mm. probably have one of the hardest jobs because not only do you have to find a good actor for the role, True. you have to try to find someone that kind of looks like this person. True. You know, so. Um, I don't I feel that- like Jonah Hill necessarily looked like. Um, Paul. Or... I guess if you're when you're filming that people might actually know what he looks like. Like true. people will know okay. who Art Howe, like if you know yeah, baseball yeah, yeah. or whatever. That's so. true. Uh, so Scott Hatterberg, who is one of the players that they end up getting very cheaply, is played by Chris Pratt, who I forgot <laughs> was in this. Um, obviously, we know him from Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic World, Parks and Rec, on and on and on. He was actually also in 14 episodes of the OC. What? Yeah. Fort, he was played. He played Che C H E with like the little thing about really? it. Really? Yeah. I, was like, I I'm currently in a rewatch. Obviously, I haven't gotten to those episodes yet, but I would never have even. Yeah. So I, I didn't really know him back then. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this was he, this was right around his Parks and very beginning of Parks and Rec okay. days um, when he auditioned for the role. Um, they actually told him he was too fat for the role. Really? And so he really wanted it. So he decided he was gonna lose lose weight um in the hopes that they would cast him and he said that he he would check in um maybe once or twice 
twice a week to see if they had casted him yet. And he just kept working out. And finally, he got into good enough shape and they hadn't found anyone. And they hired him. And look at him now. And look at him now. <laughs> I mean, now he doesn't have to work. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Um, I liked him. I did not like his facial hair. It was not no, cute. <laughs> no. So, but I love Chris Pratt. He can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, last character I want to talk about is David Justice, who is a very famous baseball player. Um, is played by Stephen Bishop, who looks very much like David mm-hmm. Justice. Um, Maybe that's why... Um, Wikipedia got it wrong. Maybe. And it's funny because he definitely is like that guy. I'm like, I know this guy from Mm. somewhere. But then I looked at his like all of his work and I'm like, it says he was in Battleship, but I don't remember. Like that's a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's a movie. (laughs) Um, But he actually um, played professional baseball um, and throughout his minor league career um, with the Braves, his nickname was Young Justice because everyone thought he looked so much like David Justice. That's funny. Um, and like I said earlier, some of the scouts actually played themselves. Um, and one other person that didn't make the film, um, is which they don't even really talk about in the film at all, is Billy Bean's wife. Yeah. Um, you mean they don't talk? So he he portrays in the movie a lonely divorcee, right? right? Um, but in actual in actuality, in real oh, he's life, married. he's married. And they actually shot scenes um, with a woman named Catherine Morris as his second wife, Tara. And um, But they ended up cutting it out of the film. So that's funny that you say that because one of the scenes, he's very clearly yeah. wearing a wedding ring. Yeah, because it says... So in then that threw me off. <laughs> well, yeah, and it says that um, it didn't make the final cut, um, but it's you can see it in the extras of the Blu-ray. However, you can catch Brad Pitt still wearing a wedding yeah. ring throughout the film. That's why I was so confused. I was like, so they're not together? Because Robin Wright plays mm-hmm. his, ex-wife his ex-wife in the movie. Wife. Yeah. Which, I, yeah, that confused me a lot. Also, what a waste of a character on Robin Wright. Right. I absolutely love her. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what she's is gonna this be mad. Role? I was like, she's going to be mad at me for not putting her on here. But right. Like, well, and um, the guy who plays her, her new husband mm-hmm. is like an Oscar award winner. Oh, I, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. I love Robin Wright. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think they did a pretty good job of of casting this movie. Yeah, for sure. All right, time for Who Said It. Your first quote is, My deep down belief about how to build a baseball team is at odds with my day-to-day personality. It's a constant struggle for me. Hmm. Peter Brand or Paul. Mm. Billy. Mm. <laughs> Next one. It's a wonderful thing to know that you are right and the world is wrong. Would God that I might have that feeling again before I die. <sighs> Paul. Damn. Bill James. Oh, man. Because <laughs> he was get like, started on he Bill was like James. listen, I know all. <laughs> oh, that whole chapter, I was like, I know. This, is, this isn't about you. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. It's looking at process rather than outcomes. Too many people make decisions based on outcomes rather than process. Ball. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Next one. I have zero self-confidence. The only way I can explain it is that I'm not the guy who throws 95, mile, 95 miles an hour. Hmm. I mean, it's process of elimination on that one. Say it again. <laughs> I have zero self-confidence. The only way I can explain it is that I'm not the guy who throws 95 miles an hour. Oh, God. What do you mean process of elimination? I mean, who's throwing in this movie? There's only so many th- people that are throwing the ball. Scott Hatterberg. <laughs> oh, uh, Chad, Chad Bradford, the freaking pitcher of the oh, team. Yeah. Okay, in my defense, in the movie, they don't even talk about any. They talk about one pitcher. <laughs> one. All right, last one. The math works, but no matter how many times you prove it, you always have to prove it again. 
Billy. Yes. <laughs> Not too bad. You just kept guessing Paul for yeah, everything, that's but fine. that's fine. I, I would hit it once or twice. <laughs> All right. So your choices for F. Mary Kill are Billy, um, Peter slash Paul, mm-hmm. which I love that because you robbed mm-hmm. Peter to pay Paul. Anyway. Um, and Art. How? Okay, well, we're going to kill Art Howe because he is not <laughs> down with with the game plan. Yeah, he's not down for money. No, um, I will marry Peter slash Paul because I feel like he would definitely help me out with, like, budgeting. He's very okay. smart. All and right. he went to Yale. Yeah. Like. Slash Harvard. I think slash he actually Harvard. went to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I will go to third base with Billy Bean for <laughs> sure. I'll let him hit a home run, actually. Um. I guess I'll agree. I, I I guess you could swap Billy and Peter slash Paul, but I'll just agree with you for sake of time. <laughs> <laughs> for sake of time. All right. So this is one of those movies where I really don't have, like, I think I only have, like, two pages of notes. Like, it's one of those movies, like, pretty short. A lo- it's long, but, like, you kind of just sit there for a while and just watch it happen. Like, nothing, no one's talking. There's, like, scenes where, like, he's just driving, and I'm like, nothing's happening. <laughs> Nothing. But, like, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So the movie actually opens up with the actual footage of um, Johnny Damon and Jason Giambi in October of, t- of 2001 um, in the American League Division series. Do you know, Did you know who any of these guys were? Not a clue. I was like, oh, I know A-Rod. I know Derek Jeter, yeah. and that's about it. <laughs> See, I so I grew up in Seattle, obviously, and so I'm a huge Mariner fan. And the Mariners were actually really good during this mm-hmm. time, so everyone was watching baseball so in Seattle. So I, I understand who these guys are. You know who Johnny Damon is? Not a clue. Have you ever seen the movie um, Fever Pitch? No. With with Drew Barrymore? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's okay, just real real quick. So, Johnny Damon's playing for the Red Sox. I think he's playing the Red Sox at this time. Um, but I anyways, he's walking up to bat and there's a lady who goes, "Johnny Damon, the sweetest ass in the league." So, anytime I think of Johnny Damon, that's all I Does he have a nice butt? I mean, it's Johnny Damon, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll look him up later. Uh, well it's funny because when he played for the Red Sox he turned into this like caveman like full beard long hair he ended up getting um, he ended up going to the Yankees and the Yankees like that's gotta go Mm. so then he becomes they run a tight ship over at the Yankees huh they do they're like the friggin uh, um, Patriots yeah they're just like for sure (laughs) Uh, so but then they, they start talking right away of the difference in money, how it's basically $115 million versus $39 million. And this was the interesting part of, to me mm-hmm. that is just so wild yeah. how there's rich teams and poor teams. Like, and you understand it. Like, that's probably how it is in all professional sports. But, like, to have I, such a differential. That's the thing. The disparity or, like, the the difference in the, like, extremes. I feel right. like it's not as extreme in other sports. Yeah. So, but we, then we finally get to see Billy Bean and he's just, he's listening to a game in an empty stadium, Mm -hmm. which I think it'd be so fun to like be in an empty stadium. But anyways, the A's are playing the Yankees at this part and they end up losing to the Yankees to end their season. So the book starts kind of like after all that happened. Yeah. You know, like it, the book is like jumps right into like after the next seat. Like we don't see, we don't really see it any mm-hmm. of in the book. Um, There's mention of, of those players of what and happened. eventually like 
them leaving and stuff. But. Yeah, because we, in the movie, we then find out that Jason Giambi has gone to the Yankees for a ton more money mm-hmm. um, that they can't afford him. And <laughs> we see Billy going up to Steve, the owner, asking him for more money. And he's like, you're yeah. asking for money I don't have. He's like, like, I don't have it, bro. <laughs> yeah. And this is where we kind of get more details about, like, you know, th- how the rich teams were, were basically, like, this is how the league was put together Mm -hmm. like they wanted to have these rich teams to be huge and just kill these other teams so people would come watch them right exactly you know so and that was kind of what they were paying for was that that effect on the fans to kind of bring them in and 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 pull them in to watch because what other reason is there than you know like if if i'm good it doesn't matter like what level of good compared to another player who's just as good at like it's just it's interesting yeah and we then find out that they also have now lost johnny damon to the boston red sox for a ton more money as well oh this is the one thing i wish they would have gotten a little bit more detail and we next see them like in a scout meeting Mm -hmm. and it's a bunch of old guys and they start talking about how like he's like we can't take that guy because he has an ugly girlfriend (laughs) And the guy's like, what does that have to do with anything? He goes, if he has an ugly girlfriend, he has no confidence. If he has a hot girlfriend. And it's like, but in the book, they talk about how, like, you know, a good face used to matter and a good body used to, like, all of that. And then Billy kept being like, we're not selling jeans. (laughs) Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, that was interesting. That is something that I kind of missed from the movie. I wanted a little bit more. Specifically when they're, I think there's, like, a full-on chapter about drafting high school and college um, players and like what that whole process looks Mm -hmm. like and things like that because we get more of like the trading between the teams and things like that we really didn't get anything about the draft and that's a huge part of the book i loved that they really went into detail about how the draft in mlb is very much like it's a conference call and it's very like low-key versus nba and nfl which has like a full-blown like you know presentation on television so i thought that was interesting and also I, this was news to me. I didn't know that, like, basically, even if you get drafted, if you're like, yeah, you're not giving me enough money, you can be like, no, thank you. Yeah. And it's like for, you know, for basketball and Mm -hmm. NFL, to my knowledge, you don't get to say no, thank you to a team. You know, it just is like, no, if you want to come, like, this is what you got to do. So I thought that was just fascinating (laughs) that, like, you know, you can give $2 million to a high school player Mm -hmm. Um, when there's, you know, in NFL, there's the league minimums and the right. rookie contracts and, and all that yeah. stuff. So very interesting, but you're exactly right. I, I wanted more of that stuff mm-hmm. in there. Uh, but so at this point they're in the scouting meeting and Billy's talking, um, is trying to argue with the scouts and he's like, we need to start thinking differently. Like this is an unfair game. Yeah. We have no money. We can't keep our players. We can't go out and get big new players. Right. Like we need to figure this out. Um, and then we start getting the flashbacks, <laughs> like you mm-hmm. talked about with uh, young Brad Pitt that looks nothing like young Brad Pitt um, from the, from 1979. And we see that Billy was being scouted um, heavily at that time. Uh, we now see Billy having a meeting. He goes to the Cleveland Indians mm-hmm. and they have a very nice office and he's trying to get a player and some money. And I'm like, <laughs> how does this work? <laughs> It goes so over my head, I don't even understand it. It's just like how he's like, I want that player, but I also want you to give me like $75,000 as well. Yeah. I would like to make a trade like that. (laughs) Like, I will give you this coworker, but you also have to give me $75,000. Please and thank you. Um, 
But so while he's in this meeting, so this is a big, a pretty big difference in the movie. Cause I don't, I mean, I didn't fact check, so I didn't, I don't know about this, Yeah. but he's in this meeting with the Cleveland Indians and they're about to make this deal. And there's this guy in the corner who whispers something about that player that they're talking about. And the owner decides to change his mind or the general manager. He's like, no, never mind. Come to find out that guy who's whispering in in his ear is Peter slash Paul. Paul. (laughs) Because when the book opens up, Paul's already. Yeah, he's full blown with the A's. Like he is Billy's right hand man from the beginning. Yeah. And we never in the book. I mean, I don't remember that we don't get. We know that he, you know, went to an Ivy League school, Mm -hmm. but we never really find out how he got to the A's. Right. Um, So because in the movie we see him, you know, in this meeting as part of the Cleveland Indians. Well, after that meeting, Billy goes and finds him. (laughs) He's like, like, this guy knows something. He goes, who is this guy? Come to find out his name is Peter Brand and he's a baseball analyst. This is his first job. And, but he's like, you're not just an analyst. Like this guy who has years of experience is listening to you. Like, what do you know? And he ends up talking to him outside and he tells him like, your goal should be to buy wins, not players. Mm -hmm. And you can, I'm like, yeah, duh. But then it's like, you don't, it's just, it's a new way of thinking. That's the whole thing. They, they constantly mention it in the book and in the movie that baseball, they think very old school. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, well, we've done this for however many years. Why would we change anything? Yeah. And I mean, I think we can all kind of relate to that in ways, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, I'm still in the radio industry. You were in there for so long. Like how, how much did the radio industry change from beginning from when you started? Like it was really like, adapt or die yeah. situation. Well, and there's always those people that are like, well, we've done it this way the whole time. Why would this we change how it? That's how we've always like, done it. You can't do that. You yeah. have to adapt. But I did like how they they integrated those older scouts to mm-hmm. even like drive home that yeah. even more so. Um, but we get another flashback of Billy in high school. We don't know that it's high school, mm-hmm. but uh, he's talking to the scouts and we find out that he's been offered a ton of money to go play for the Mets. And we also find out that he had a full ride to Stanford. Um, I wish they would have gone into a little bit more detail about how he really wanted to go to college. Yeah. He actually, I think he mentions multiple times how he says like, I didn't actually want to play. Yeah. Like he, I think he played baseball and football, mm-hmm. um, but he did have the full ride to Stanford. He actually wanted to get an education and he was like, like, I don't really want to play. Right. And for whatever reason, he was kind of talked into eventually taking that deal. Well, and they even talked about in the book how he asked his dad, like, what should I do? And his dad's like, I can't make this decision Mm -hmm. for you. And I'm like, come on, dad. Like, yes, he's 18, but like, but like, really, it is his decision. It is. It's like, it's a life changing decision. Right. You know, but I'm like, okay, kids think about it though. If your dad made your decision for you and then you have to, either love it or if you hate it, you resent your father yeah. for making that decision for you. So it's better if you just make that decision. <laughs> I, I realize it's like hard because yeah. he's still technically a child, but. Um, but yeah, so that was the flashback that we got there. Um, the next thing we get is we see that Billy actually ends up calling Peter. Um, <laughs> and um, he asked him, he's like, would you have drafted me in the first round? Because we find out that Billy was drafted out of high school in the first round of the mm-hmm. baseball draft. And, <laughs> This, and Peter's like, I mean, yeah, you're a good player. And he's like, would you have drafted me in the first round? He's like, nah, <laughs> because you would have been ninth round with no signing bonus. <laughs> and and then Billy goes, 
Okay, great. That's what I wanted to know. Also, I bought you from the Indians. Um, I, you, you work for you me. You work now. for me now. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, does is that how that works? Like, Who knows? Can you just pluck someone from a different organization like that? The way they trade things left and right in baseball. Who knows? Probably. That is so wild to me. <laughs> so wild. So now P- that is how Peter gets to the A's to work with Billy. But I don't know if that's factual or not. So because it, <laughs> it doesn't happen in the book. Right. Um, but we come to find out that one of the reasons why Peter is so successful is because he's using equations to find out what they need to win. Like, so they use the example of basically Jason Giambi has this as an on-base percentage. So we can't get, we can't pay one guy to get us this on base percentage, but we can break it up into three players to make up for that. And that will be, you know, how we do it. And he says that he can find value in players that no one else can see. And his goal is to find the most undervalued players and get them for really cheap. Genius. Um, Yeah. I I did like how I found out, I finally found out what slugging percentage meant, which I had no idea what that was. (laughs) I still don't get it. I get it has something to do with like the amount of bases you get per per at bat. So if you get a home run, you're at a thousand slugging percentage. But if you only get like to first base, your slugging percentage isn't as great. Got it. Okay. (laughs) But that was. But they start during that time when we're finding out about this on base percentage Mm -hmm. and what that you know how important that is. Um, they also describe in the book, you know, different type of stats and, right. and stuff. That- well, and here is kind of, they briefly mention Bill James and mm-hmm. the fact that he kind of came up with this formula. Yeah. Whereas in the book, they like fully deep dive into like, and I'm like, yeah. do I need all of this information? Because or do Bill- I just need to know that he created a formula right. and now they're using it? <laughs> yeah. So Bill James, he basically was almost just like a sports reporter yeah. at the time who then ended up coming up with these like crazy equations mm-hmm. and talking about this is what they should be looking at. And people th- thought he was a whack job. Right. Well, because he had zero experience mm-hmm. in baseball. Yeah. Like, yeah. He knew about stuff, but like realistically the, the methods that he was employing, it's like, what do you know? You've yeah. never been, you don't have the experience right. of a baseball analyst or a baseball scout or anything like that. Yeah. How would you know? I kind of wish they would have put that a little bit more yeah. into the movie Agreed. because and I, I like the progression of his, of his career, how he's like, yeah, like 20 people read, <laughs> bought my yeah. first book and then like it kept going <laughs> yeah. and going. So we don't really get much of that in the movie at all. Um, the next thing we get though, is we see Art Howe, you know, comes to Billy and is wanting a longer contract because he's only on a one year deal. And I love one of these quotes. This is one of my favorite quotes. He's like, no one gives a shit if you don't win the last game of the season. (laughs) And I'm like, that is the truth. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, it's so funny. He's like, he's like, that's great, but I like need to put players on the field first. So like, let me do that first and then we can worry about your contract. I mean, (laughs) I I get both sides, you know, everyone wants job security, Uh, but they're in the scouting meeting again. And again, this, they start talking more about the on-base percentage, who they need to replace Jason Giambi. So then they kind of just start throwing out random players. We end up getting more of like, the players again we don't get much of like these draft players mm-hmm. because a lot of a lot of billy's thinking is like let's put some we need to get these guys into our farm league first and kind of build it up. So I guess for the sake of the story, they're going to talk about the players that are already in the major league that I they guess. can get, I guess. So he throws around, you know, a bunch of different players and whatnot. And you know, they bring up Jeremy Giambi, 
Jason's brother mm-hmm. and David Justice, all of this. So we end up seeing, though, <laughs> the next thing we get, he shows up at Scott Hatterberg's house, who is a catcher who has blown out his elbow. He can't throw the ball anymore. And he basically is like, so I need you to come play for us. And you're going to play first base. And I know you've never played first base before. (laughs) But we'll teach you. (laughs) But we'll teach you. Because another thing that they talk about is that they briefly touch on in the movie, but they go into quite some depth in the book about how fielding is really not that important Mm -hmm. in baseball. Like they put so much money and glory into fielding yeah when in reality it's not that important it's crazy and he proves that with scott Hatterberg, right. basically um we now see that he goes to pick up his daughter because he has a daughter from his first marriage um not his new marriage that we never see <laughs> um and she's at her mom's house and it's like this really awkward you know <laughs> conversation with the new husband and i guess i didn't really need the that no <laughs> it didn't do and like I, I guess granted you kind of wanted i mean even the daughter i was kind of like i think they like wanted to make a him. point yeah and to like kind of create a story because really the movie is very focused on billy right whereas the book yeah he's he's a main focal point but like it's not around his storyline no. necessarily but like they really focus and hone in on yeah. billy's story so i think they were just like adding the fluff here and there. <laughs> yeah because we meet his daughter he like buys her a guitar she <laughs> sings in the store which have you heard that song before yeah yeah i yeah. love that i had to um google it to see who sang it i, f- I had forgotten but yeah. i absolutely love that song and i was yeah. like oh i didn't realize yeah, this she did this she did a good job with it yeah. uh we get another flashback and we see that billy is now playing for the mets um we do see a glimpse of daryl strawberry who is one of the all-time greats oh i didn't know that. oh yeah so <laughs> he is uh and he um we don't find out in the movie is that Billy Bean was actually picked over Daryl Strawberry mm. in in the draft that same year, um, and you know we we didn't get the real rise and fall of Billy Bean in the in the major league that we really got in the book. Yeah. Um, but basically, moral of this flashback is he didn't cut it in the major leagues. He kind of bounced around from team to team. He had a really bad temper. Like, people just like to come watch him strike out to see what he would do. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was I thought that was an interesting part in the book mm-hmm. about when he actually played with Daryl Strawberry. And there was another guy he played with at that time who both of them went on to have these great right. careers, and he just didn't make it. He was like the epitome of that you you – put all your eggs in that basket to really hope that that person kind of takes off and then yeah. he doesn't. And yep. it's like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. Um, so now we're in another scout meeting and we've, you know, at some point these older scouts are like, what is happening here? You know? And, and he has Peter in this meeting with him and they're all like, oh, what? What, what is he doing here? Right. You know, and then he's like, oh, yeah, he's the new assistant general manager. So he gives him this huge kind of promotion, <laughs> um, you know, and basically, though, Billy tells these scouts, you got to adapt or die. And he ends up firing his head scout at this point. Yeah. And Mr. Grady. Yeah. And I loved in the movie how he's like he goes to some random kid mm-hmm. and he's like, you know anything about baseball? And he's like, no, nah, I've never played. He goes, cool. You're my new head scout. That's <laughs> <laughs> why um, so I like that movie. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's kind of where that, you know, the gathering of the scouts and the new way of thinking kind of 
accumulates at the beginning of this movie or first part of this movie. Another thing they don't mention at all is Nick Swisher. Mm. Because that was, you know, he was a college player. Right. And that was like we said, there was a whole nother like thing about how Billy didn't like draft. He never wanted to draft high school players, probably because of his of his experience. experience. Mm -hmm. But there was this guy named Nick Swisher that he was adamant adamant about having and nick swisher did end up becoming you know a a very good ball player but well they briefly mentioned him in the movie but in the book yeah they like they purposely tried to deflect so it doesn't look like billy is interested in him so that they can get him and like he is a main part of this whole like the whole thing yeah so didn't make the cut in the movie though so now it's spring training our favorite time of the year here in arizona <laughs> love true. me some good spring if you're training. in florida or arizona <laughs> you you have it good um but we hear you know the voiceovers of the media just trashing all these moves that the a's <laughs> have made um they're talking about david justice who they had went out and got who is kind of past his prime at this point he's older um he about doesn't, he doesn't work as well anymore <laughs> no and then about jeremy giambi who they say spends more time at the strip club than then, you know, at the gym. Um, so they're like, not sure that this is going to work. <laughs> um, and we also see Scott Hatterberg trying to learn how to, how to learn how to play first base. And he's not doing very good. No, not at all. I mean, I can't imagine you, you play a position your entire life. And then out of nowhere, it's like, Oh yeah, you're gonna have to learn a new position. Right. <laughs> right. So we think in the book they mentioned, I think he's, he played that position for like 20 years. So yeah. the majority of his life. Yeah. So that's all we really get from spring training. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have got a little bit more because yeah. now it's opening day and the media is just hounding these players, <laughs> these poor guys, you know, and they're Someone like, did not coach them on how to answer questions no, properly. <laughs> not at all. Um, we also find out at this point that Billy does not watch the games. Mm-hmm. He, it's like his superstition. He doesn't listen to the games. He doesn't watch the games. Nothing. Yeah. So we see him like working out and whatever. I did like <clears throat> it was interesting because in the movie they he makes a point to like turn the TV on but like mutes it. Right. I think in the book they say like he has zero, zero. like contact with anything related to the right. current game. So this is kind of where the division between Art Howe, the manager, and Billy Bean and and Peter kind of come in because they want him to to start Scott Hatterberg at first base. Well, Art Howe's like not having yeah. it. He's like no thank you. So he starts. Pena instead, mm. who is like their all-star type player, right. which you kind of got to understand. You're like, I'm not going to bench this guy for a guy who has never even played the position. Right. Um, but they lose opening day and they just keep losing. And, you know, it's one of the things. And even Peter's like, oh, God, like, I hope this is actually going to work. You know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, so they keep losing. Super struggle. This is one of my favorite scenes, though. It's Billy and Peter and they're in in Billy's office mm-hmm. and he has Peter role play with him <laughs> of how you would cut somebody yeah. because, because he's like, yeah, I need you to go on the, Billy wants Peter to go on the road with the team. And he's like, you don't go. And he goes, no, like I don't get close to the players because mm-hmm. I'm the one that has to cut them. Right. And so they do this funny role play. <laughs> I appreciate it though. Cause it's like, yeah, you're, he's his prodigy essentially. So yeah. he's got to coach him. He's got to like, yeah. you know, prepare him. That's what a proper boss would do. Right. <laughs> well, and, and it's, and it's funny because I was watching this movie with boyfriend Ray and he's like, at, cause at one point they end up, you know, cutting someone. Mm-hmm. They're like, he's like, we got to let you go. Da, 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 da. And so-and-so will handle your paperwork. And, and Ray's like, man, that's cold. And I go, that's how they do it at our work too. Luckily yep. I haven't had to have that speech, but I know that there's a script they go on uh-huh. and they're like, Kim Fairley will take care of your paperwork. <laughs> and then they leave. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's cut and dry. I mean, I got mine over the phone, so it was even less yeah. personal. <laughs> so I just thought that that was funny that yeah. he he uh, he role played with them on that. <laughs> so, but anyways, the team keeps losing, and Art Howe keeps not playing the players that they have put together to play in this right. lineup. The whole reason that they've employed this new theory. <laughs> right. And he won't do it. Um, and so at this point, Billy ends up walking into the locker room after a loss and the players are dancing around. Jeremy Giambi's being an idiot. <laughs> and he's like, is losing fun? Right. Like is losing fun. And just basically like rips into them, you know, and, and then bashes a bunch of stuff in the, in the right. locker room. So, in order to get Art Howe to play the players that they want to be in this lineup and they really believe is going to work, Billy gets rid of the players that he's playing instead. He <laughs> ends up trading their star player, Pena, and they end up trading Jeremy Giambi mm-hmm. um, to get rid of them. So so he has to play these other players. Right. I did like at this point, though, because um, at one point they're talking to David Justice and he's like, why do we have to pay for soda? <laughs> I love that. And they're like, he likes to keep the money on the field. So the, the guys have to bring dollar bills to pay for soda. And when he's trading some of these players, he's like, I want to trade you Pena for this and soda for my locker room. I don't want my players to play for soda. Yeah. You're going to pay for it now. Um, I don't think this is really, ha- is that portrayed in the book? The like the, trade? the trade of these players? Um... I'm going to go ahead and say yes. (laughs) Again, I had a struggle through this book. Um, I do think it's briefly mentioned. Yeah. But to put into use what him and uh, what Billy and Peter practice, Billy actually makes Peter cut or tell Pena that he's been traded. And it's so awkward, but he does a great job. He does. He He, he sticks to mm -hmm. not being emotional. He's just very much matter of fact, like, here you go. This is the person you need to call. They, they're expecting your call. And Did you that. know that players can be traded in the, in the middle of the game? I didn't until now. They literally can be traded in the middle of the game and be taken off the field during a game. And it's then literally switched wild. over to the other team. And switch over to the other team. That's it's, wild. It's insane. That's crazy. Uh, is that just in baseball or any sport? I think so. Okay. Uh, but Peter starts, you know, at this point, starts talking to the players. which I thought this was very smart at this point. Mm-hmm he starts talking to the players about their stats and why it's so important. Peter or Billy? I guess I both. I think they both kind of yeah. do. But Peter actually really kinda goes into depth about yeah. it. But at this point, we kind of start seeing Billy getting more involved with the mm-hmm. team and going through with them, you know, why they made these decisions and giving them the confidence that they need right. to help them play better. And he even talks to David Justice at one point is like, you might not be the physical player you used to be, but you're still the leader that this team yeah. needs. And, and I David, love this scene. And then David Justice like tries to talk <laughs> to, to, to Hatterberg. And it's just like not the best like confidence. He's like, okay, good, good chat. Good chat. No, but I love the scene between uh, David and Billy because David's trying to give him some lip. And yeah. he's like, guess what? Um, the Yankees are paying for half of your salary. Right. So they're paying you to no longer play with them. Right. <laughs> so like humble yourself down, bring right. yourself down. I love that scene. So funny. But it seems to work and the team starts to win. And now we're at the trade deadline. And we see Billy in his office and he's trying to make these last minute trades with so many different teams. Mm. It's, it's a, 
fabulous scene, but it, it made me dizzy. I was like, I don't know who he's talking right. to. What does he want? Who does well, he not want? Not only that, but like in the book, it's like five or six more teams than yeah. they portray in the movie. So I'm like, I was even more confused in the book. But yeah, but it's all about like, you need to try to make these trades with these teams but you need to like try to figure out who they want mm. and who may want their players and right. try to stop like fascinating, yeah. fascinating. Um, he ends up paying, paying for a player himself because he wants something so bad that he basically calls Steve, the owner, and is like, can I pay for this player myself and then sell him next year and mm. I get to keep the profit? And Steve's like, sure, like, go for it. <laughs> yeah. um, that doesn't actually happen in the book. I didn't think in so. In the book, he's like, okay, so um, the, the the owners essentially were like, we can, we can only offload so much or whatever. And he somehow figures out a way to get it so that it's paid for. Yeah. He doesn't actually put, like, put money out of himself. his pocket yeah, for it. Um, but yeah, so the trade deadline is freaking wild, man. <laughs> and I'm sure that's how it is. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy. Um, but now the team is doing so well. They're in first place. They've won 19 games in a row, which wild. is unheard of. And they're going for the record for the most wins, consecutive wins in an American league team. Um, Billy actually ends up going to watch this game. Mm-hmm. They're up by 11 runs and decides that, okay, I'm going to go watch the end of this This will be game. safe. <laughs> and the team falls apart. Mm-hmm. They end up blowing an 11-run lead. And it ends up being tied in the bottom of the ninth. They end up pinch hitting uh, Scott Hatterberg. Mm-hmm. And he hits a home run to win the game. Um, I did Wild. read, interesting though, in that game, um, it was such like a whirlwind, I guess. And again, I didn't know this. Players have different deals with Batman manufacturers uh-huh. yeah. and Hatterberg actually had the wrong bat. He just grabbed someone's bat ended up getting fined because he used the wrong bat. Yeah, in that game. they do. They do touch on it in the book. I guess he he was so convinced that he wasn't going to play that night because they were doing so well or yeah. whatever. So he was like talking to someone and he just happened to like be messing around with this other bat. And when he got called up, he was it was such a like, yeah, you know, uh, crazy moment that he just grabbed the first bat he saw and he walked out with it, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious because it just fits kind of like Him. his the whole thing. Yeah. So they end up winning 20 games consecutively, um, breaking that record. And it's just like a, such a cool moment. Yeah. And like, it's really cool how they interacted with the fans mm-hmm. in the movie. And then they showed the, the real, real fans footage. in real life. Yeah. Something to note. Um, Billy does not actually watch that game in the book. Right. He didn't actually watch right. the game. I think for the sake of the dramatics, dramatics of, you know, the movie, they, yeah. they made Brad Pitt's character watch it. Uh, but we then get a flashback of Billy quitting baseball and becoming a scout. And that was kind of like the end of the flashbacks, really. It was kind of strange, <laughs> yeah. but it was like, we need to tell people how he got into where he is now, I guess. Um, so now the playoffs have started. And it's the American League Division Series. We don't really get much of this in the book. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, not in the book, in the movie. It, basically, we just find out that the team ended up losing to the Twins. Um, and they talk about how, you know, you can't reinvent the game. And in order to win win in the playoffs, you got to play small ball, which is one of the things that they decided not to do, you know, throughout the season. They didn't bunt. They mm-hmm. didn't steal. They didn't do all that little right. stuff that, like, unfortunately, in the end, you got to kind of figure out how game. to do. And they talk about, you know, in the book, they even mention, like, in playoffs, it's 
a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. You take more risks in the playoffs than you normally, you know, yeah. than it's you would. It's just such a different vibe. Regardless yeah. of the type of game or sport, the playoffs or the, you know, championships or whatever are always such a different caliber yeah so unfortunately they did not win the world series that (laughs) year um and they did not win the last game of this season um but we do see after the season's over billy gets a call from boston and you know the a's have offered him a new contract um but so is boston boston has a new new owner at this point Mm -hmm. and he saw what Billy did and he offers him $12.5 million, which would make him the highest paid GM in all sports. Crazy. He also mentions here that they um, hired Bill James, who was the creator of this formula of the whole money ball formula for the Red Sox as well. So he was really hoping to get like the full package and bring Billy in as well. So he ends up talking because it kind of, you know, seems like, all right, he, probably gonna take it because he's talking to peter mm-hmm. and he like shows peter like <laughs> the offer and peter's like bro yeah <laughs> like how can you not take this um but at this point peter takes billy into the video room and shows him a video of a guy named jeremy brown who we meet not meet but we hear we get introduced to early in the book yeah um jeremy brown is a very overweight player who they saw value in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a video of him hitting the ball, puts his head down, sprints to first, ends up tripping over first base. And all the players are laughing at him. And he doesn't, he's thought that they were just laughing at him right. because he fell over. Come to find out, he hit the ball 60 feet over the fence and it was actually a home <laughs> run. Um, but they kind of like, the metaphor that they use in the movie is basically sometimes you put your head down so so hard and you just look you know do your job that you don't actually under you don't realize what you've done yeah we actually that whole like point part of the movie um is is described in the epilogue of the book that which essentially has the same thought process of like you don't know how great you are if you're not paying attention to like what you're doing right um so the last scene we get in the movie is billy's driving um and he gets like a like a voicemail from his daughter and she's basically talking about like if you decide to stay stay in california Mm. making us believe that he did accept the offer which he did yes in the book um and we we then find out that um he did turn down the offer from the red sox and he did stay with the a's and the movie basically ends with them telling us about how the red sox ended up winning the world series two years later based off the philosophy that billy and, and peter used um they do talk about um i think in the book that billy kind of you know did take the job and then decided not to take right. the job um, yeah he was all but essentially going to go and then yeah. eventually he like he just couldn't find it in himself to, right. to take that well deal. and they kind of talk about basically how like he didn't want to make the mistake and go for the money mm-hmm. that he did when he was younger um but yeah but that's basically how the movie ends and they kind of give you a few more stats of you know of you know pay grades of everything right. and and whatnot so and that's how the movie ends yep <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, so when we asked the question, did the movie stay true to the book? Uh, I mean, I, I thought they did a very good job of telling a story. Creating a story. Creating really. a story. Yeah. 
um, around the concept of this because I think it is a very, yeah. very fascinating concept. I can't fully say it stayed true to the book, but I was 1000% fine with that. Right. <laughs> it's hard because it's a nonfiction. It's not necessarily an autobiography or a memoir. So it's very much factual information of things mm-hmm. that just happened. So yes, the movie does kind of create or embellish a story to really like bring you in and, and you know, get yeah. you to like the characters and stuff like that. So yeah. But it's a meh for yeah. me on if it stayed. Yeah. True. I mean, I will, I would, any day of the week, if you are a baseball fan, I would recommend this book. Yeah. Because I just think it's interesting. So Yeah, just beware if you're not. <laughs> right. You probably should not read this book. Um, so I think I know your answer, but book <laughs> or a movie? A uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, I will say I didn't love it as much as you did. You're literally the only person who doesn't. It love was this movie. good. I think I again. I'm not a baseball fan. Right. It's not really my my vibe or my like shtick or anything like that. So it was just kind of like okay, that's a. But all of our movie. tens of thousands of million male f- listeners <laughs> are gonna love that we did this. Great, this is for you. <laughs> I know. I had dinner with my brother a couple weeks ago, and he was like, "So I know you did the one guy movie, but like, can." You just did, like, Eat, Pray, Love, which is, like, totally girly. Like, can we do another guy? I was like, don't worry. I got something for you. <laughs> so I take it you you also picked the movie? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, I love this movie. I, I've watched it many a times. Yeah, I think I'm good with the, just the ones. <laughs> All right. That's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Boovie Girls. You can also email us at theboviegirls at gmail.com. And like we said earlier, we are on Patreon. We have a couple levels for you. Our rom-com level gets you episodes 24 hours ahead. You also get access to our Karen reviews. And then our drama level gets you what I've already mentioned. You also get a sticker for joining. You get a shout out in a future episode. And like we said earlier, you get access to our bonus content, which includes our booby serials, which we released the first two episodes of Behind Her Eyes on one on the regular feed, one on Patreon. But we will be um, releasing weekly episodes on our Patreon. Uh, I think there's only six episodes, yes. so it's a little bit shorter than our um, Firefly Lane series, which is also on our Patreon that you can listen to yes. as well. Ten you- full episodes of full. Firefly Lane. <laughs> um, all you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the movie girls. So up next, exciting, along the lines of our serials, uh-huh. we are doing our second movie series. Uh, we've done Harry Potter. Yeah, we have. We did that. We did that. (laughs) Um, We are now moving on to the Hunger Games. Yes. Which I'm very excited about because I I don't think I don't think I've read all the books. I've seen all the movies, but um, I love this series. I think it is fascinating Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I've read all the books. I've seen all the movies. It's been a few years, um, but this was we did a poll when we originally Mm -hmm. were picking our first series to cover and this was second after um, Harry Potter, which we expected Harry Potter to win. But um, super excited. This one's you either love it or you hate it kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think majority did did enjoy this one. So I'm really excited. May the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) I volunteer as tribute. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. (laughs) 